Awesome, awesome. Hey, good morning, good morning. We're continuing our series, as Dean said, Colour Your World. My name's John. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here, and I'm super excited to be sharing. Going to have a great morning together, and uh, yeah, it's been a great series. Anyone been here the last couple of weeks for the, for the last two series? It's been pretty cool. There we go. Uh, it's like three people clapping, but it's good. It's good. I'm sure there was more than that. But anyone remember, what was the first week? We did, we're doing different colours. We're looking at different colours. The first was red, it was, which was represented love, anger, um, there was like a positive and a negative side and then last week we had Pastor Ryan, uh, we had orange, I heard Alan got in there before, I even was able to introduce it, he's that good um, and then uh, that was that was energy and vitality, adventure, um, a great, great message and uh, this week we're going to be looking at green, which is cool, green, Anyone, anyone's favourite colour, green? Green. Wow. There you go. Dean is wearing a green shirt today, which is awesome. Fitting. He didn't actually know, but he just put it on. He's that in tune that he wore the he wore the he wore the green. Green's not my favourite, but it's kind of it's it's a cousin of my favourite. It's a my favourite's blue. Um, fill up. Actually, maybe all colours are probably cousins of each other, but um, it's it's close to it's close on the rainbow. Um, I think. Um, geez, I haven't checked that, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to getting into that. Now, a couple of things come to mind straight away when I think of green. And what we've we've been doing with these colour series is looking what they represent, what we can have as a colour in our lives, and also what we can bring to our worlds. What's the colour that we can bring? And so, obviously, we looked at the different weeks. This week, um, it's green, and a couple things come to mind straight away. Uh, Number one is just beautiful green grass, just like a nice paddock. You're at a farm somewhere, maybe at the Turner Ranch or something, on man's camp or youth camp, whatever, and just green, green grass, rolling hills. Anyone else likes it, like it, just a nice bit of grass, it's just beautiful, um, yeah, so that, that's one that came straight to my mind. The other one was actually a picture I've got here, um, and it was uh, green veggies, green veggies, yeah, that's a classic. So who looks at that and just goes like, that is delicious, that is just yum, put your hand up, there we go, we've got a couple people, who looks at that and is like, I've never eaten that in my life? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my dad, that is true, 100%. Uh, a couple people. And uh, it's funny, I look at that now and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I am kind of, that is delicious, but uh, the younger John would just be kind of looking forward at me, just being like ashamed, just really <laughs> spewing at me because I was quite stubborn when I was young. And uh, there was a classic rule, I'm sure you would have heard of it, but uh, my mum used to say, no desserts unless you've eaten your greens. And so quite often I would, you know, kind of out of stubborn, stubbornness, just be like, well, you know, no desserts tonight, <laughs> not eating my greens. Uh, but uh, but uh, now I'm glad I've come to come to love them. Now the other one, the other green, um, which is the one that we're going to be talking on, is one that you probably come across more than you realise. It's one that happens all the time while you're in the car, and so you would have had one probably even this morning. And so you, st- you stroll up to the lights, and there's a few different signs. There's red which means stop. There's orange, which means... I was going <laughs> to... I was waiting for that. I was like, it means, depending on how you are at driving, you know, it either means go fast or start slowing down. I think it actually means proceed with caution. Thank you, Daniel. Um, so, and then, of course, there is the green light, which means go, doesn't it? It means go. And uh, we love getting green lights, particularly when we're busy, we're on the way to work. And uh, so the green light, it's quite a nice one. Um, so we're looking at that today. Now, the title of my message along 
this is what if God says go? What if God says go? Because I want to look at how we can cultivate more go in our lives. You know, if God speaks to us, if he um, challenges us, if he drops a dream in our hearts or, you know, maybe asks us to do something, well, how do we respond? Or how do we, how do we have more go in our life so we can uh, react, uh, react in a way that I guess is obedient and God would want us to do that? So, so we're going to be looking at a very classic story in the Bible. We're going OT, biblical, it's going to be awesome. Old Testament is probably one of the most famous stories, I reckon, of all time. Also one of the biggest underdog stories of all time. It is the classic David and Goliath. Come on, someone. David and Goliath. I feel like it deserves a clap. You know, it's one of those classic stories. You know, like if you're at the, you know, I find even at the football club, you know, guys that have no idea about church and even heard Bible stories, they know about David and Goliath. It's one of those stories that's just like all time. It's just, you know, you know about it. And it's because it was a battle that was against, you know, some crazy odds. And so David, he was someone that really understood God's go in his life. He heard and he was able to respond in a way that was, you know, a crazy, historically changing uh, thing. And so just kind of give you some context before we jump into the story, we're going to look at some of the lead-up moments to this historic battle. Um, so the, the Israelites and the Philistines, they were drawing their battle lines. They, uh, yeah, were getting ready to, to fight. And then from the Philistines' army emerges the biggest man Ever. I don't know, I'm guessing, but he's, he's a massive, massive guy, and he uh, puts out this challenge, essentially saying, hey, let's, let's go for, and this is kind of my, my John's, I uh, guess, just quick version, is let's do, let's do a one-on-one battle, let's save all of the, you know, our whole armies, no point all of us dying, um, let's go one versus one battle, you guys give me your best soldier, and I'll take them on, if I win, then you guys become my slaves, and then if you, if you win, then we'll become your slaves, and so he puts out this massive challenge, And long story short, Goliath was just like a crazy, intimidating dude. Like he was unbelievably intimidating. Now, I've got a picture here real quick. It's the kind of the most intimidating big man that I could think of. Shaquille O'Neal. When I think of a massive man, I think of him for some reason. Now, here's the crazy thing. So Shaquille O'Neal on the right there, he's seven foot one. Now, that's massive, right? That's pretty big. Um, You know, I'm six foot two. So he's at least a foot bigger than me. Um, And then we've got Earl Boykins on the side here. He's uh, five foot five. Um, Now, any, any guesses how tall Goliath was? About, about seven foot, some of that. He actually was nine foot around five or six inches, nine foot, five or six inches. And uh, so he is, so Shaquille O'Neal is seven foot one. He's two feet bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. So you're you're talking about like a man mountain. This is the biggest man you've ever seen. Dave, you're right to stand up for a second. It's fitting that your name's David. David, come and stand here for a second. So Dave, come here. So you imagine, and uh, how tall are you? Um, Five seven. Five seven, which is exactly the height that Dave was, David David in the Bible, which is very fitting. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I'm kind of going with it. So you imagine kind of, and I'm going to be Goliath here for a second. You know, imagine I'm six foot two, probably even higher. This is kind of the height gap here between David and Goliath. There's this uh, massive warrior. Um, imagine me, but with Phil's body, probably. Oh, uh, oh. 
So that's one of our other pastors, but uh, he, he's, he's seriously rigged up. But anyway, and, um, and then reversing David, who's uh, uh, you know, a young boy who is not even meant to be at the battle. Sorry, Dave, you can sit down. I just, you, you just wanted to give the people a spitting image of what David would have, would have looked like. So this is the story that we're looking into. So I want to look at that, uh, you know, against all odds, how did David, uh, David listen and, uh, and yeah, hear, hear God's call and then respond to that. So we're going to read a little bit um, just before the moments uh, where it happened, just to give us some context. We'll read from verse 20 here. So it says, Early in the morning David left the flock in the care of his shepherd and loaded up and set out. Actually, I probably should say as well, so David at this point, he's not even old enough to be at the battle. So he, he has three older brothers. He has, one, he has actually eight older brothers, or he's one of eight, and three of his older brothers are at the war. He's not even old enough to be at the war, and so he's looking after the sheep. His, um, his dad basically says, you know, I'm going to send you along to, uh, to, to, to give some food to his older brothers and to check how they're going, and that's kind of that's kind of where we pick up. Um, so yeah, so as Jesse had directed, sent him. He he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. Now David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped up out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. I feel like there's something a little bit deeper and powerful there where David David hears it. It's not like all the rest of the guys that have been hearing it for 40 days and 40 nights. David hears something and you almost can tell that something's going to happen. Verse 24 it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man they all fled from him in great fear. And we'll jump ahead to, to verse 32 and he, he says to the king of the Israelites, Saul, Um, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the count of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He's saying, I will go and fight him. I don't want to give away too many spoilers in this story, um, but David essentially goes and changes history. He ends up defeating Goliath. He um, hits him in the head with a, with a stone and defeats him, and, and the Israelites were champions, and God wins the day through, through David, which was a, an amazing thing. And I just want to look at that. Like, how do we, how do we see more, well, how do we hear more of God and then see that more go in our lives? How do we, you know, we look at David, he's someone that against all odds was able to listen and then obey. And so we're going to cultivate a bit of, a bit of that more in our lives this morning. Um, and we'll look at a couple of the conversations in the lead up. So, so verse 32, he says, I'm going to go. Verse 33, this is Saul's response, the king's response to David. He says, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, kind of, I like to imagine myself in this conversation just for a second. So David strolls up, you know, he's not even meant to be there. Um, he hears this battle, he hears this battle cry from Goliath and then he's like, what's going on? Why, why has no one else stepped up to this? It's been happening for quite a while and he heard, hears it and goes, hey, you know, I'll do it. I'll put up my hand and then kind of Saul the king, well, he probably heard heard this and was like, uh, David kind of pulls him, I can imagine him sort of just pulling him aside and almost trying to, I guess, make it so he doesn't have the embarrassing moment of like, you know, you're going to really regret this. It's not going to be a good moment for you. Pulls him aside and it's like, David, 
don't you realise what you're about to do? Like you're, you're literally, you're stepping into an arena that you have no idea in. You have no idea. You're, you're stepping into against a, a warrior that's been training from his youth. You are young. You literally look after sheep in, in your day job. You have no idea what you're doing. And then David goes on and, and uh, kind of says, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's all good. Like I've fought, I've fought lions, I've fought bears. And if you read on, he, he talks about the, the preparation that he's done while being, a, while, being, while being a shepherd. And, you know, he has this incredible attitude to, to the response, to, to God's call on, he, on his life. If, if I was Saul, to be honest, I'd still probably be questioning a little bit. I'd be like, okay, so what, what kind of bears are we talking? Like there's a, there's a nine-foot five bear waiting for you like this is this is this is not just like a joke like this is this is a big deal but I think there's something here that we can learn from from David's even initial attitude when it comes to go in our lives and I love here that he wasn't waiting until the perfect moment he wasn't waiting for all the dots to line up for everything to to feel right which I think so often we can do because I knew, I'm sure that he would have known the equations didn't add up. He would have looked at the size different. He would have looked at the experience difference and been like, nah, I'm still all good. If God's on my side, I'm going to be okay. And he didn't wait till he was ready for God to actually use him. You know, I find it amazing that waking up that morning, he probably would have had no idea what his day would have looked like by the end of it. Defeating the champion, Goliath. Waking up, thinking he's going to just check in on his brothers. But he goes, he hears, and he's able to seize that incredible moment. I love that he didn't allow age or inexperience to, to hold him back. Now, it's interesting because the counter energy to green, both, both all colours have like a double energy. So the, uh, obviously we're talking about go, but the counter energy to, to green is actually inexperience. It's not, you know, one of the reasons why we don't like to go or why we don't move forward is sometimes because we don't think we've got enough experience. We haven't got it all together. We can't do it. You might have heard the, um, the expression before, yeah, he works hard, but he's a little green. Have you heard that before? He works hard, but he's a little green. Apparently where this, is, where this originated, sea captains would, would bring people on a boat and when they were new at sailing, they would literally turn green. Like they would turn green, they would get, they would get sick. And so when they were new or fresh or inexperienced to something, they would turn green and they would, you know, call them a, a green sailor or whatever, whatever it was. Now, I think why this is appropriate for us today is, is that I think inexperience is one of the biggest stoppers for us actually moving forward when it comes to the go in our lives when God's actually calling us to it. You know, I think as a society, and it makes sense, is that we're really scared of making ourselves look stupid. We're really scared of, of embarrassment, of, you know, of what people think of us. And, and you know, we don't like being the person that doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't look like we know what we're doing. And you know, we hate being the, the new person to a job or being a new person in an environment. It doesn't feel, it feel comfortable. And obviously that all makes sense, but it actually can be one of the biggest stoppers. And it's crazy because even if it's the thing we know we need to do or if it's the thing that God's actually dropped in our hearts or our minds, because of the potential embarrassment or our own inexperience, we don't go, we don't say yes, we maybe go slower than maybe we should, and we actually reject sometimes the call of God on our lives, you know, just because we're maybe afraid or embarrassed or don't want to look bad. 
you know, I feel like I've had many moments like this over my life. And I remember uh, when I left school, I was 16, I uh, left at the end of year 10, and I did a cabinet-making apprenticeship. And in my first year, um, you know, I was kind of figuring things out, and um, I knew God had a call in my life. He was speaking to me. And I actually went to a conference uh, just this on the weekend um, during the time, and uh, the preacher said something along the lines of that God can change the hardest heart. So it was something like that. And I kind of, as soon as I heard that, the thing that, that well, straight away my mind went to my boss at my, at my cabinet making shop because I was like, man, that guy, you know, he's, he's, a, he's got a hard heart. He's, there's no way he would accept faith or whatever. And so I, you know, straight away was like, yeah, no. God, I don't even think you can change him. You know, you talk about the hardest heart, and and kind of was having this back and forth a little bit with God, I guess. And and God sort of challenged me in that moment and said, well, "Give me a shot. Give me a go. You know, let me prove it to you." And so, I yeah, eventually was saying basically to me like, "Hey, I want you to share a bit about your faith or share about how good the conference was, and kind of start that way and then go from there." And so, this was a pretty daunting thing for me. And anyway, I was in the car, and I remember the moment that it was the right moment. You know how there's always those kind of moments and you can like you have it in the back of the mind of what God has been speaking to you and you're just like you know this is this is the moment and so I kind of got and then started thinking and then I was like oh missed that and then eventually unfortunately I, I just didn't do it I just didn't go through with it I missed the opportunity and started to have all these these what ifs just go through my mind it's like what if I say the wrong thing what if he fires me what if something goes wrong what if I embarrass myself. What if he just laughs at me? You know, there was all these different things that were going through my mind, and unfortunately, I froze and I actually missed the opportunity. And as I was saying before, I think one of the biggest paralyzers in faith is that we're afraid. We're afraid to, to make a mistake, and we're always waiting for that next phase of life. Because at the end of the day, I sort of said, oh, "I'll have a, uh, I missed that opportunity. I'll have another opportunity." And and that that is that is true. But I think we actually sometimes miss so much when we kind of have that that attitude of like, "Oh, I'll just get it the get it the next time," you know, rather than actually being in that moment right there. And I, you know, I remember even in, in school that I, I I had a call of God in my life, and I you know got challenged in different things. And obviously, this was one. But then God was I. Uh, I felt like I was like, oh, maybe God can use me when I leave school. You know, maybe God can use me when I, when I was in my apprenticeship. Maybe God can lead me when I, when I finish my apprenticeship. And then I got to my next phase of life. I was a youth leader. And you know, maybe God can use me uh, when I know a bit more, when I've done some studies and things like that. And then when I did some studies and then I end up becoming a pastor, maybe God can use me, I don't know, when I'm married or when I have kids. And then, you know, next minute, you know, you, you have no time. You can't, you can't do, you, you feel like you're waiting for that next phase. And I guess I say all that to say is that, God, um, you are never more ready to be used by God than where you are right now, than where you are right where you are. You know, one of the things I would love to say to my younger self in high school is like, hey, just go for it. You don't have to know it. You don't have to, you know, have it all together. You don't have to, you know, know exactly everything about, you know, kind of theology and all that kind of stuff. But hey, just go for it. Just live an authentic life in faith and just have a crack. You know, that's the, the most important thing. And just go, just go for it. I love even, you know, the, relating to David that he was the least prepared guy there and he just went for it. He stepped into an arena that he shouldn't have. There were so many other more prepared warriors there, uh, even Saul being the king, the t- one of the tallest guys there, didn't step in. And, and David stepped in. I, I love that. And, you know, I, the last thing I just want to say on this is that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the call. 
And I want to encourage you this morning that while you think that you're, well, while you're waiting for God to use you and you're maybe saying, oh, I haven't got it all together, I haven't, you know, got this kind of experience or whatever, whatever it is, but, but God is preparing us on the way, that he doesn't call the equip, but he always equips the call. And all we've got to do is actually say yes and begin to, to move forward into that. So can I encourage you in whatever that dream is, whatever that um, thing that God has dropped into your heart, that all you've got to do is begin to take steps forward to it. And then, you know, he will actually prepare you along the way. You ready for number two? Number two, I'm going to bounce around for a couple, a couple here. But the second one was that he was comfortable being different. He was really comfortable being different. I want to read verses 38 to, to 40 here. And it says, Then Saul dressed David after he said, Okay, you know, I'm going to let you go. So David, uh, Saul dresses David in his own tunic. He put, it, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul. Because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. It's, it's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. But I wonder if you've ever done something just to try and fit in. You ever done something just to try and fit in? I feel like I've done this so much. I've done this so many times over my life. One of the big times was during high school. Um, it's a classic, and I'm sure it's for most people, is that, you know, whatever your friends are doing, you're trying to, you're just trying to fit in. You're just trying to almost not stick out in the sense you don't want to, I don't know, get picked on or whatever it is, but you're trying to fit in. I remember um, there was a, a free dress day, and kind of what was cool back then was to wear, like, all the surf brands. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It was, like, a few few years ago now, and I remember I remember strolling in, because um, I didn't traditionally have always the cool clothes, I remember strolling into the free dress day with like the really massive like Quicksilver logo on my shirt and then I had Billabong board shorts and I was just like, man, I'm feeling fly, like I'm ready to go, I'm rocking up and I'm like, I, I fit in, I'm like cool and um, it, it was so good and I remember during, during this time, um, it was funny, I started I was making friends and, and whatever, and so uh, I stayed at one of my mates' places and then stayed at another mate's and whatever. And one thing I noticed about going to all my different mates' houses was that they had really, really green grass, really nice, just beautiful green grass. It was like a golf course, like on their front yard. It was just like beautiful. It was like mowed and I don't know what are the other words you can use about grass, but it was just a, a beautiful, just nice grass. I'm looking at that, I'm just like... I want that grass. Like, that is just a nice grass. And, you know, I'm 14. I shouldn't be thinking about grass at 14, okay? It's stupid. And so then I go back to my house and I look at my grass and I'm like, it's not as green as their grass. I'm literally like, well, our grass wasn't green at all. It was like, it was like a brown, patchy, just mess. It was like kind of sand in between. It was terrible. It was terrible. Now, it's funny, as a 14-year-old, I'm caring about grass. And so literally, um, it, well, come to the time when one of them was actually going to stay at my house. And so I was like, I don't want them to notice that my grass is not as green <laughs> as their grass. And so I, for days uh, in the lead up, day and night was watering the front and backyard just to try and... I don't know, make it a bit, I didn't know anything about grass, I still don't, I live in an apartment, so it's kind of embarrassing, but I was just watering, I'm like, I want my grass to be as green as theirs, and you know, what if it's not, and they come over, and I, I think I failed terribly, and they, they came over, they probably didn't even actually care at all, like, they walked in and were like, who cares, man, like, my dad does the grass, like, he, they don't, they don't care, but 
long story short, the, the funny thing is, is that when we try and fit in or when we're trying to do things that maybe other people have, we actually do some pretty silly things and we worry about the things that don't matter. We, we, we look to the left, we look to the right, we look, we, we're comparing to others. We actually do things that we don't need to be doing. As a 14-year-old, worrying about grass is probably the least of my worries at that point. I probably should be studying for an exam or something. But can I tell you that when it comes to God's go in your life is that your yes is going to look different to everybody else's yes. Your yes is going to look different to the person next to you. It's going to look different to your, to your husband, to your wife. It's going to look different to your family, to your friends. And, you know, we can't compare and think, oh, because my, 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 what God's calling me to, you know, looks different to, you know, to Dave or to Kel or to Dean or whoever it is. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to step into that. And we actually freeze. We don't, we don't actually go forward. You know, I think one of, that's one of the biggest things that actually stops. I love that Saul the king, so he says, well, at least wear my armor. He can't go on these. David picks up five stones. He picks up a sling, and he goes out to take on this giant. It, it's really unbelievable. You know, we hear these stories all the time, but it genuinely is unbelievable. Like, it would have been like a first for its time. I'm sure it's a f- first even now. Like, I don't really imagine that happening. And, you know, I sort of think about the soldiers watching David just strolled towards this giant with a sling and five stones and it would have been something like, you know, well, see ya, like you're gone, like maybe see you in heaven. Like it's serious, like he, it, it's, a, it's a crazy thing that he did. But I love that David didn't care. He just said, you know, my, my, what, I, what is my thing is different to what others' thing is and I'm actually going to step into what I feel is comfortable and what, what I know God is actually calling me to do. And his yes looked different to Saul's yes, to the other yeses that were, were, were there and the other guys um, on his team in the, in the battle. And the third one I just want to share real quick, is, um, and it's fitting, is, is that he moved quickly. He responded. He moved quickly. You know, we looked in the verses before that he heard and he moved. He heard and he moved. Yeah, you know, I resonate with this because sometimes I, I hear God and then my temptation is, oh, I'm going to set a reminder next week for, you know, and then God, can you remind me of that? Or, you know, I'll put it in, put it in my phone and set an alarm. And it's so easy to push things back. It's so easy to, to hear and then, oh, maybe I'll just wait a little bit on that. I'm not too sure. I'm going to wait and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure that I remember it next week and then I find it's gone. You know, you, you, lose, you lose that moment. It's something that uh, Hank Fortner uh, taught me at an Imagine conference. It was, it was an awesome conference, and for some of you that were there, it, it was a great time. But I remember one thing that he, that he said. He's, he's a CEO of Rock Nation, which is like a massive kind of entertainment company. He's dealing with like celebrities, you know, heaps of real big wig people, you could say. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw Jay-Z on his phone. Like Jay-Z called him, and I'm like, whoa, that's just like next level. He's living in like a different world. And so Dean, Dean actually asked him one question one day in this interview spot and said, you know, when you're dealing with these people, you know, you're dealing with Jay-Z, you're dealing with kind of different celebrities, and I'm sure there's all kinds of other things that you've got to do, there's got to be moments that you're a little bit scared of, or you're a little bit like, wow, like I don't want to do the wrong thing here, I don't want to turn them off, because there's going to be some pretty major repercussions. And he says, yeah, like, I have that all the time, like I'm, I, get, I get scared and there's things like that, but he says the, the best piece of advice that he could offer was that when it's something that he knows he needs to do, and maybe even God's actually speaking to him in that, he moves quickly. He moves quickly, and it's something he's afraid. It's a phone call he knows he has to make. He's like, you know, the temptation is to push this tomorrow, but no, I'm going to make the call right now. 
I'm going to have a crack and I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm ready to go. I can do it. Yeah, I love the other thing that he said was doing one gangster move a day. I don't know if anyone else caught that. That, was, that like really inspired me. I'm like, man, I just need to do one gangster move a day. You know, just, he says do something that is you know, gangster in the sense that's like kind of, you know, it's kind of out of the ordinary. It's just like, bang, I'm just going gonna, gonna, to have a crack. I'm going I'm to take the risk. I'm going to go for the adventure and I'm just going to move quickly on it. If I feel like God's calling me into it, I'm going to hear and I'm going to move. I watched a, a movie uh, just this week, and uh, I might welcome the team up as well if that's all right, the band. I watched a movie this week uh, called We Bought a Zoo. Anyone heard that, uh, or that movie? It is a fantastic movie. It's a classic rom-com, um, which is kind of my, my field. Um, some people have called them John-coms before, which is kind of embarrassing, um, and probably shouldn't have said that in front of Kel because I feel like those things will come back to bite. But uh, it's, it's a really good movie. I literally watched it this week, and uh, um, it's interesting because there's one thing that the, the main character to lives, to, he lives by. He lives by. It's like a bit of a, a phrase, and he was talking about it in the context of how he asked out his wife, and he, but he does heaps of different uh, things with this. And he says that if you want to do something great... All you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. If you want to do something great, all all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. And what he's meaning by that is that it's not like it's only 20 seconds of of fear, but there is there's the first step is sometimes the hardest. The first step is normally actually the hardest. And once you step into it, you have that 20 seconds of insane courage. You know the rest is going to be okay. You've put yourself out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're on the move. You're moving forward. And, uh, and yeah, you, you're on the way. I'll read, I'll read a quick quote here, a quote here uh, by Clement Stone. It says, Thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. I think it's a great thing for us. I might, uh, I might uh, get you to stand to your feet if that's all right. I want to land this just on two things and just... Uh, Give, it, give a chance even for response if you want. And um, yeah, we're going to go into communion and, and have, have a worship time in just a minute. But I want to ask, how many of us have things on our heart and on our minds and we know that we need to move on, but we've held off because you can't see the full picture or because it's daunting or waiting for info, for, for clarity, for resources. And all you need to hear this morning is go. All you need to hear is a go. Now, I'm believing that God has dropped all kinds of things in people's hearts here today, in people's minds, and for a while maybe they've been, they've been just sitting there. Now, I'm really believing that God wants to put a go inside of you this morning. He wants to say, you can do it. You can do all things. You are great. You're awesome. You know, the best way um, to actually, to, when, you, when you feel stuck, when you're a bit stagnant, the best way to actually get out of that is just to, even if it's a risky step, even if it doesn't feel comfortable, is to just take a step forward, just to move a little bit. And I just want to encourage you that no matter what that dream is, is to take a move. Take a move this morning, even if it's just an inch forward take a move because I reckon God is going to use that and you know he has something there and you know who knows who knows what it could be it could be a David and Goliath situation it could be something awesome so so listen to that and respond to that and then just finally I think this is a good challenge for all of us as well is that maybe you need to be a go to other people be a go person for your family, for your friends, or at your workplace. One thing I really noticed in this story, um, probably more than than usual, is that you know David had his had had Saul the king look at him and be like, "No, nah, you can't do it. There's no way you're doing it." You know, had his brothers kind of against him, and I'm sure there was heaps of other soldiers that were looking at him like, "David, there's no way you're going to do this." 
And I think sometimes it's so easy for us to hear someone's dream or hear someone's calling and then for us to just be like, um, yeah, I don't think that's going to really work out. Like maybe you should try something else. And we can actually rob someone of a bit of faith, of their dream. Have you ever noticed that kids always have massive dreams? Have you ever noticed that? Like I, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an NBA superstar. Um, dream, it's not over. I'm still, no. <laughs> No, it's too late. It's too late. I'm too old. I'm too old. Still time. You reckon, Dean? Thanks. Um, yeah, I'll try. Yeah, Dean, thanks for being the go. Thanks for being the go I needed. That's great. But I, I love how it's always like, go to the moon, or I want to be Superman. I want to, I don't know, whatever it is. It's like, you know, crazy, it's crazy dreams, which is awesome. And I think sometimes it's because no one's actually told them they can't. And so they dream big. They dream further than probably most adults. Maybe there's some realities to come. Who knows? But, but how about we be people that actually fill others with faith and not rob them how about we get around people and encourage them and I would love for that when we hear someone's dream we hear someone's calling we hear you know what God's doing in their life you know we say wow that is really big but how can I get alongside you how can I encourage you in that how can I be someone a go person how can I help you in that so I want to encourage you in that to to not only take the color for your own life and be someone that's a go person uh, in that but actually be a go person for others as well and uh, be an encouraging person throughout all different spaces you you spend your time I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to have communion together so let's pray God we just we acknowledge this challenge this morning and we're inspired by by David where he took a situation and responded to you God and I just pray that we would be people that not only hear what you want but actually we would be able to respond to it as well we would be go people God I pray that we wouldn't wait until the moment feels perfect or ready God, I pray that we'll also be comfortable in our own skin. And, and even when there's things that, that we're afraid of, God, I pray that we'll be able to step into them quickly and we'll be able to move on what you're calling us to do. And then, God, I pray that above all, that we would be able to be go people to our communities, to our families, to everything, to every place that we spend our time. May we be people that fill others with faith and not rob them of that. May we be dream champions and encouragers, God. We thank you for this and we pray that we would move forward today. Amen.